Hello and welcome back to the Big Esports Podcast. This is episode number 21. In this episode, we've got Nathan Mott, aka Rippy from the Direwolves, the team founder. We talk a lot about where he came from and how he got to where he is today. As with many esports stories, it starts off as him as a player and then progressing into business. We also have a bit of a chat about investment, high performance within esports, some industry trends and ways for people to get into esports and whether or not you should start your own team. So if you've got an interest, especially in esports teams, employment or the high performance aspect, I think you'll really enjoy this episode. To learn more or to find the show links, make sure you head to bigesports.gg forward slash 21 and you'll find any links within of what we talk about today as well as the show notes. Enjoy. One of the best things you can do for esports in Australia or abroad is support those companies that support you. What we do here in Australia at Big Esports is we've partnered with PLE Computers. They're a PC retailer that sell all of the best gaming gear. They also make a whole bunch of custom PCs, whether it's a full water-cooled massive rig to play Crisis at full graphics, or whether it's something nice and simple to take to LAN parties, play CSGO, Rocket League, Fortnite, or otherwise. They've got these different solutions for you. What we're doing with PLE is instead of just a general advertising partnership, we're trying to educate audiences and we're trying to grow the local scene. So PLE are working with us on our mentor courses where we're providing discount on both shipping and parts to the people that join in. We partner with them on our high school boot camp where we're educating high school students on mental health, physical health and wellness, along with technology integration, understanding how they can take apart and build their own computers and save money on pre-builds. We're also working with them on this podcast, which we're hoping is educating all of you, not only on just talking to cool people and understanding how they think and feel, but what their struggles are, how their businesses work and how the back end works. So if you're looking to support a company that supports the scene, make sure you check out PLE at ple.com.au and grab yourself a bargain. Nathan, welcome to the Big Esports Podcast, mate. How are you feeling today? Hey, Chris. I am feeling great today. We just um, finished a bit of a move into our new SCG place. I've been a big listener of um, this podcast and been following your work for a while. I think what you've been doing for the industry is pretty invaluable, so I'm very happy to be yeah, fantastic, mate. Appreciate the compliments and kind words as always. I guess it it's probably a fantastic place to start it off, right? You're you know, you've moved into, like you said, a new high performance center. So can you give a bit of a background about yourself, your team and, and what exactly a high performance center is and why you're there? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I guess I can sort of start with is why I'm here in the first place. Um I mean why like I mean esports in general is an industry that's just exploded over the last, you know, in particular for the mainstream last three, four years, but, you know, we just didn't really randomly pop up, you know, here. So, um, see, so yeah, I'll sort of talk through exactly, you know, why, you know, why dials, why, why I'm here, like on this podcast here. Um, I guess like it all sort of started with, um, it was really just, I mean, this is for, for probably you as well, Chris, like, I mean, just a love of, of games, you know, back then there wasn't those big stadiums. Um, I'm, I'm only 23, so I haven't been around that long, but, um, but you know, 10, 10 years ago or so it was sort of when I really started getting hardcore into you know oh it's like this competitive gaming thing that's cool you know and it was in um you know you had like the dream hacks and like these big land events and stuff you heard about them but nowhere to the scale that it is today mm. um and um yeah like it was very much just like i played a lot of games probably too much i would ditched um i did ditch school but i just didn't do well too well in school to, to play video games was always my priority i i really loved it um it's more like the competition of it it wasn't so much an, an addiction or anything like i mean I mean, you probably could say it sort of is, like maybe classified as it, but the, the love of competition, I was always very competitive in terms of um, I wanted to be the best at, 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 at games. So um, so I doubled with it with a couple of games and then League in particular. So I was doubling in games sort of to like, all right, you know, can this be like a big game or like a really competitive esport game? So I sort of started with, off with MMOs, but those sort of didn't really take off then. I sort of saw what riot and and league was doing so this was like season two days like season one um i was sort of just like like oh you know having having a look and um and i really liked like riot's real player they were really passionate about like competitive gaming and these teams were popping up um getting a lot of fame and stuff so i was like all right i just need to go to league that's where that's where you know right as a company they're really doing some good stuff like i might as well just you know go there so um so yeah like around the end of high school i really got into league um played a lot got ranked like top two on the server um and then i just from there i sort of got picked up by a team um that was sort of my first 
uh, LAN event. Actually, it was in Melbourne, I think it was, 20, 2013 in St. Kilda. CG, uh, was it CGPL? I think it was a CGPL in St. Kilda. I don't know if you remember that, mm, Chris. I do, yeah. I, I played I played CGPL CSGO in one of their finals, so it was around the same season. Yeah, I think it was... Convention. Yeah, that, that event itself was, I think, a, just a League of Legends one. I think Cyber Game, mm. I mean, CSGO was at another time, but it was like in St. Kilda anyway. So I remember rocking up first on uh, to it. It was funny, so everyone... Um, no one knew, um, like, I mean, no one knew, like, sort of like, what, it, you know, you know, when you first go into, like, events and stuff, no, everyone sort of, like, try to face the names, like, oh, who's that guy, you know, because everyone's sort of behind screens, and stuff. especially nowadays, it's sort of like, you know, you're doing photo shoots and stuff, so people sort of know you before you even become, like, a pro, but back then, it was mm-hmm. very much like, you know, but you're behind the screen the whole time, so, uh, so yeah, so then I, I, I had this thing that I was, I was known for, I never really spoke to anyone in-game, I was very mm-hmm. focused, like, I didn't want to type in, in chat, like, league and stuff like that, so, um, Everyone thought that I was this super hardcore, like Korean guy. I came from Korea, I didn't speak any English, um, and um, and then I, I rocked up and I, I um, and you know, people like I, I said like I was I was Rippy, and they were sort of like laughing at me, like you know, it's like oh, it's, you know, like they're expecting this other person, like not this pale sort of you know skinny white like Aussie kid, you know, rock up to the land. So <laughs> so that was sort of my my first experience, and and it, it was it was good. Like that land event, like I mean, land events are a lot different for playing online, as you probably know. Um, and, and mm. I, I performed pretty well on that. That's sort of how I got my big sort of, you know, gig in, um, in esports. So I sort of joined a team that's not around anymore, but Frenetic Array, um, mm-hmm. played for that team for a little bit. And then 2014, we were acquired early 24 by Team Dingatas, which is one of the big teams over in North America. I think they're owned by the 76ers, um, mm. at the moment that, that wasn't at the time. Um, they weren't owned by them at the time, but, um. Uh, yeah, so that was like huge news for the Oceanic scene. So they, what they did, they expanded to League of Legends to um, Oceania. So um, that was we were sort of the Oceanic division, um, and then we did one tournament for them there, and then um, I was kicked from that team because I had a very one-dimensional playstyle. Which looking back, it was definitely very one-dimensional. But at the time, I was like, oh, you know, I thought I was pretty good. Um, so then what happened is I, I essentially, the big thing for me was, um, sort of seeing team things just sort of like operate. Um, I was 18 at the time and I sort of thought like, oh, you know, like, cause I, I was talking with, um, Odie and stuff. I was like tr- trying to look at the inner workings of team things just while I was there. Cause obviously I was, you know, in the chats and all that sort of stuff. So I, um, I thought to myself, oh, you know, I reckon I could have a good crack at this, you know? So I, um. Mm. Being the ambitious 18-year-old I was, I was like, all right, you know, stuff these guys are kicking from the team. I'm going to start my own team. This was 20, 2014, so like midway 2014, around August. Um, I got a bunch of other mates from Solo Queue that were really high up as well. And then, um, yeah, Dolls was formed. And literally, I mean, it wasn't, Dolls wasn't really a business exactly. Like literally what it was and what it sort of had was back in the day. It's like, all right, I got a Facebook page. I'll get up a Twitter page. I got a business now. That's what it was, you know. So that's that's what setting up a team was like back then. Um, you can't do that really now, but um, that's just what it was like. Uh, you know, and we're talking like five years ago, so it is testament to how much things have really come. You know, come um, and uh, yeah. So we um, we qualified for EB Expo, which is a big expo in Sydney. I don't know if they do those anymore, um, but that was when again 2014, and then that qualified us to PAX. Um, and that was like sort of the, the first time that Riot really put like a lot, they'll put in pumping a lot of money into the scene then. So this is when they, when Riot first came to, to OS and then they were sort of doing these circuits of big prize pools. I think the prize pool was like 70,000 for the packs, um, in 2014. Um, so yeah, we played there, we came fourth there, third, fourth, and then, um, the OPL was born 2015. So, um. That's when it really was like sort of the shift. It's like, all right, now we've got to like, all right, you know, I have this brand, you know, let's start turning into a bit of a business, you know, it's like, all right, mm-hmm. well, I have all these guys. So it was very much right. Sort of like, I sort of just had to adapt to right. So it was very much like a, it, it was definitely not like, all right, I'm going to start an esports brand. We're going to be a global entity force. Like we're going to be taking over the, it was very much just like, we're just a bunch of mates playing a game, we've got a Facebook page, we've got some Facebook posts, I was sitting there like in between games and stuff like after our games, like, all right, do our winning or losing tweet or Facebook post, you know, it was very scrappy. But I mean, it's, it's great. I mean, I'd love to go back to those days. Really, really great fun days. It's funny looking now, it's like what my day looks like compared to then. But um, 
But yeah, so I was still a player back then. So, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, 2015 came around. That's when it started ramping up to business. And then I was like, all right, you know, like I think this, I think I could make something of this. So then I was like, all right, you know, my maybe my playing career sort of, you know, like I was like, I think I could probably have more of an impact on well, obviously, you know, building the business and the scene in general by being, you know, someone who has like decisions on like, you know, say rosters or sort of like a more higher responsibility in the scene. Um, and like obviously working with Riot. Um, so then I decided, all right, I'm going to step. So this was a really tough choice for me, Chris. I was like, I mean, probably you as well going from, you know, player to, to moving more into the marketing sort of side. It's like, all right, you know, you always have that aspiration. It's like, I want to be a professional. I want to, you know, carry that trophy. Mm. Um, and I, and like, I've always had that thought. It's like, you know, what if I did continue? But, um, but yeah, it was, it was very much like, oh, I'm just going to make the hard choice. Yeah, I think I could have more of an impact running the sort of the business and building a business, not running the business. It was actually just building a business. I had, didn't have a business. Star Wars was not a business in 20, 2015 until you registered, you know, the ABN, all that sort of stuff. And I got an account mm. and all that. It was, it was good times. Um, so yeah, so that's that's sort of how it was sort of started, and and again, it was all just really started, just, just a bunch of mates. Like it was very humble beginnings. Yeah, I guess there's like a there's like a few pivot points that you've identified there. That's pretty common, especially in like the older esports teams, ones that were founded in like 2011 to 2015. Yeah, yeah. Just like you guys, you know, it starts off with the player. And then often, you know, it's the person who's leading the pack. They're the one that's organizing the new players to come into the team. And then they think, you know, maybe there's a bit more to this side. And, you know, for me, um, I guess transitioning from being a semi-professional Counter-Strike player to the business side was like, look, I'm not... For for me, I wasn't even in the best CSGO team in Australia. And I I wasn't the best player in my team. And I was already committing the absolute Mm. maximum amount of time. So for me, it was like, okay, what... What can I do that can help more people at once and be bigger? And I guess you could attribute that to kind of like what makes someone be a talent manager instead of being the talent themselves. And I get the excitement from uplifting other people and helping the industry grow from that aspect rather than yep. if you're a player, yep. you know, you're limited into your one section. You can only really help your team grow. You don't have much time to do things for the wider industry because it's in your best interest to play as much as possible and to think about the game as much as possible and really, you know, immerse yourself in that section of the market. Did you find as well that, that you had the same thing? You sort of like, say you, you when you moved on, you still sort of, you know, like what if, like, because obviously you gain knowledge about sort yeah. of the scene yeah. games more. Did you ever think like, you know, what if, like, what, what, if, what if I continue? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, especially the first IEM in, in Sydney was hard for me in yes, some of those aspects. Okay. Because, yeah, yeah. Because it was, you know, like the Renegades guys who were Voxy, we played against them on stage in CGPL. And we yeah, were, you know, we, that's the thing. It was close. You were there. It's like, you know, like, you know, mm. I, I was playing with these players, you know, like, well, yeah, I, I can see. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, JKS's team at the time, you know, we were arguably better than they were and we weren't as good as Voxy. We lost to them. But, you know, even, even just for my friends who played, who kind of stopped when I stopped as well. Um, there's a player called Yin and, you know, he got 30 frags against Voxy on land on a, on a map that we lost like 16-6 or something. Like he absolutely slaughtered them solo. So imagine if, you know, I kept playing and he kept playing and we got better, you know, comparatively over that time. You know, very confident that had he not become a doctor, he didn't go into the esports side of things, but became a doctor. You know, he, he could easily be in Germany or America right now playing for, you know, one of the best teams in the world. So, yeah, I find that interesting switch. You know, there's there's a lot of different reasonings, but I guess the core thing I'm going back to is that uh, most esports leaders today, you know, were players in the past, right? And it seems to be like a fairly standard um, path that you came through, but now we're seeing like a bit of a change, right, with companies that are being founded by people who don't come from uh, like a strict player background. Yeah, and then that brings me. So I've I've always thought that. I mean, that's very much been my advantage in this. You know, being like an eighteen, nineteen year old running like a, a team. Um, back in the day, it's like, all right, I have that. Um, I want to say, like, I was, I mean, you, there's always this term, like, player focus. But, I mean, like, I was really play Like, I would, I would always put the, the player's folk interest. Like, this is, like, probably not, not so much these days because you really need to think about the business interests, especially mm-hmm. investors and stuff on board now. But it was player interests over my interests or Dial's interests, always. That's what it was in the beginning. And I think that was a huge advantage in that thing because then that would attract, like, you know, players like, oh, well, like, you know, Rippy really – Know, really wants to like again it all stemmed from a love of competition and and mm-hmm. and performance it was never about you know um you know bringing in you know money or turning this into a business it was like just again just the love of the game so i mean obviously again that's, that's changed now but that's where it sort of started and you sort of develop skills but um yeah mm. 
Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And I think that I think it's important coming from both uh, both sides of the coin, right? Like I always say to non-endemic companies that there's such a good like like where esports companies sit right now is in such a good place and the employees are so skilled because people like yourself have experience on all sides of defense you know if someone's working in traditional sports they might necessarily have been the player in the past or they haven't had to do the account management or sign the sponsorship deals maybe they're they've been laser focused on one section which is diet and nutrition yeah but, yeah you know, if you're coming from an esports background, um, especially a tournament operator background, if you take um, some of the older employees from ESL or even myself or some others, these kind of people understand what it's like to sell a sponsor on a concept. You're they understand to wear so many hats, right? Like it was, it's mm. for me, it's adapt or die. It's like oh, I better learn how to do a, a spreadsheet, or I better get an account, or I bet you know, it's like it's either this, like there was no like, oh, I'm just gonna rock up today and oh, I'm gonna learn about, um, you know, like creating a cash flow spreadsheet you know like that's just stuff yeah. that's like you you had no you had no choice it's like you either do this or you can go and do, you can go back to university or something like that you know that's what it was very much mm. that's what i think is a very unique situation for us is that we were just forced to especially you know the esl guys and stuff like everyone's got i mean no one's really become sort of a master of these skills but you, you take in so many roles which is i think sort of a bad thing now you really definitely want to focus and hone in on one craft which is obviously say a nutritionist or whatever you know in traditional sports now they're obviously much better in the jobs than Say me or you trying to figure out some nutrition stuff, you know, like maybe that's the mm-hmm. thing. You were you were forced to really, you know, learn all these roles and wear many different hats. And it was great for I mean, I really contribute that. Like I think it's great for any sort of startup sort of owner or something. I think that like that you could you could see that as a burden, but it really is a, a huge advantage later on because it's like I know all these aspects of the business. If I hire someone for this, I I can instantly help them like get off the ground. I know exactly where you know, what to do, you know, so I think it's a really big advantage, honestly. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. And and you're right, you need to be, you need to be a generalist before the industry gets big enough to hire specialists, right? Because there's just no, there's no section in the budget to have a, a full-time accountant, no, bookkeeper, no, no. you know, to, to be on looking after you and same with the dietitians and coaches and that stuff, you know, they they were really a, an anomaly and only now they're starting to become a common thing and not even in Australia, right? And that's, I guess that's a good segue into, you know, what you guys are doing a lot with the Esports High Performance Centre at the SCG. Do you want to give us a bit of uh, background information about how that started and exactly what it is? Yeah, sure. So, um, so there's obviously the, so it all started, so like you've got the gaming houses, right? Gaming houses mm. is, is, is a term that's sweet. I mean, thrown around. I mean, it's, it still exists today, but it was the concept essentially, and it sort of stemmed from Korea in two thousands. Um, I mean, Korea's been light years ahead of us broadcast on you know TV ninety eight and stuff like that. They sort of mm. like right. If you are all in a room together, you know you can get much better at the game by just grinding out. If you if we're all there, we, we, let's like ditch all our commitments. Let's just sit in a house, uh, six seven people of us, and let's just let's just get really good at the game. Let's only think about league. Um, so that's that's like that's what what we did. That's what we did in in 2017. Um, and from that, like it's like it was it was a fun first experience. But from that, I'll very much, um, I've especially like a coach yourself, me and Curtis were like, all right, this is this is not sustainable at all. Um, it definitely worked in the early days, but if you want to um, really optimize like your schedule, I mean, this is this is stuff we've, we're still learning now, and it's it's going to take. I mean, traditional sports has decades of it and they're still um we we're talking to the swans coaches um the other day we got a content piece for hyperx with them and um they were saying i mean even now they're still understanding about recruitment and stuff you know they've had like 100 years so um so yeah it's very much we're like mm. all right we need to separate the work and the living just just more of like a it's like a switch on switch off like i mean we're talking before the show about um about working from home versus like you know traveling to an office like some people mm-hmm. it can work but um, I believe, like majority, it it very much is like sitting on the same computer where you say you you go and watch YouTube videos and then you are in hardcore practice is not it's not optimal for for high performance. So we we wanted to have two separate locations that were preferably in walking distance from each other um, mm-hmm. to separate that that work and living space to make it more of a professional environment. Um, and then. Um, Essentially, so yeah, that was that was the concept that we were playing with. It's like, all right, what can we do? Do we rent an office space? Um, and then, um, so Dave, Dave, uh, Dave Harris, Greenberg Capital, our, our investor, 
um, that I sold dials to in, in 2016. He, um, like, you know, I was throwing this idea with him and then I was like, right, you know, what sort of relationships could he leverage? Um, and he worked at the NRL. So he was, um, the NRL office is literally next to the CG. He had a relationship with the trust. And one day, you know, he, he went and had a conversation with the, the trust CEO. I mean, everyone's sort of excited about esports, so you can sort of get that. Mm-hmm. Um, that time and it was like you know you know what what if this is this is what our problems are like you know this is it'll be great you know to sort of set this up so they they came to our house and everything the, the trust executives which was really cool and they were really interested about it all um so then yeah it was really just just right place right time esports was just sort of exploding and it was just and then they they had a space for us that we could um we could lease so it was um and the whole premise of it was was more like Esports meets traditional sports. It's like, right, we're taking more seriously. We're, we're with like the Waratahs were like building next to us. We were, you know, we had NRL players, the Roosters and stuff walking through our, our facility. So that was very much like the premise to it. So this was, this was 2018. This is only last year that we, we, we went into that, um, into the training space. Um, so we originally were, were just above the members area, uh, above Azure Cath, and then later we moved to the Waratahs building. And now we're literally in the heart of the SAG, which is fantastic view. Literally the last two days, which I talked about, um, it's been lifting lots of heavy stuff, getting that all set up. And we literally have a view of, of the SAG now. So um, we may, we mainly watch a playing game, like practicing rather than watching the cricket or something. But um, yeah, it's, we've been really fortunate to sort of lock up the space. And again, it, it's all about the premise of, all right, this is what we believe is, is, is going to allow us to have the best chance competition, especially internationally. Um, obviously, so we, we've been international the last two years. We've, rep, we've we've won everything domestically, and we keep falling over internationally. And we even though we've, we've had, we had the performance center, um, esports have been planet last year. I mean, that's it's, it's definitely not the only solution, but it's, it's the right steps to move into a more way more high performing environment. And again, it's it's that key concept of like moving, separating work and living, and um, and making it more way more of a professional environment. Yeah, and I wanted to take a little bit of time to dwell on that, like you're talking about separating play from living, and that's something that's happening globally, right? You're seeing um, Team Liquid with their massive training facility, um, even in Australia with Order looking to create their House of Order, the Adelaide Crows-owned team looking to create their own high-performance centre too. And, you know, the studies show that, um, you know, even if you want to be able to get to sleep properly at night, only use your bedroom for sleeping and, you know, maybe some other activities, but not, you know, not for work and not for fun and leisure because you it's hard for you to disassociate and it's the same thing you're saying with keeping things separate right so do you do you also find that the that the way of the future for you or or what might be beneficial for others is to not have the people living in the same house whatsoever as well have them separate houses coming into a training facility to get their own space yeah so i mean the other part of it as well is having the players be responsible for their lives outside of training um, mm-hmm. And it's hard. It, it is hard for an 18-year-old. I mean, we have uh, Corporal Ian who's 17 and, you know, moved, moved straight from home, straight from high school into this. And that was a big sort of process sort of learning. And um, we obviously, we know, we're in talks with his parents to make sure the transition was as as, um, as smoothly as, as possible. But it's sort of mm-hmm. like, you know, moving out of home for the first time, like, you know, you've experienced and, and that's just being an adult, you know, and, and it really helps you more take it it's like all right i'm not in a gaming house where i'm just getting fed and i don't have to worry about you know cleaning or anything like that i mean to be honest most gaming houses i've seen that don't clean just doesn't exist that's just not part of the hmm. <laughs> part of the routine but um yeah it's very much like it's like all right i'm a prof- it's having that mindset i'm a professional i'm not just you know sitting in my pajamas just playing games all day and also for the industry as well i mean we, we bring sponsors in all the time and it's much better showing them you know the view of the seg rather than um you know the five six guys in you know in a gaming house that's you know in the kitchen's right next to it and you got your bathroom your bedrooms mm. you know next in to the it. outer in the outer city suburbs yeah, right? yeah in the outer well, well so when when we actually did our game that's one of the things that we thought about when our first original gaming house we were in piermont um mm-hmm. in the city we had a really nice view of the harbor and stuff again the, the, it was a gaming house so it was already you know had the the negatives to it but um mm-hmm. but it was again wasn't out west suburbs sydney which is Another, I've never actually lived there, so I've heard lots of stories. But um, yeah, it's uh, definitely been. It was definitely much better. That that helped us a lot as well. And tr- transitioning into you know more park, which is also really close to the city. Mm. So an interesting question for you is then you go to um, a rental property to view it. You have a chat to the agent. How do you introduce yourself to the concept of what you're doing? How do you explain it? 
So you're talking about, um, say, if you want to lease a place as an esports team, you want to get, are you talking about the office? Yeah. So how do you frame the conversation if you rock up to a real estate agent and say, hey, I want to move five guys, five young males into your house. They're all under the age of 22 and they're going to play games nonstop and live yes. in here. Okay. Um, so uh, I guess a big part of that is sort of not saying it like that. Like, I mean, I mean, you, can, you, you don't have to lie to them, but I mean, what, we, what we've sort of always is like we, you know, we travel internationally. We, um, you know, we're, we're not even in the house most of the time, which is actually true. Um, I mean, that's, again, a unique situation for us, but it's like, you know, we, mm. we, this isn't a full-time, like, it's more of a company house rather than, like, a person, you know, lots, just like a, those 18, you know, 20-year-old kids. And, again, it's sort of just, um, just like, building rapport with the, like, you, you sort of go into, yeah, you go into, let's say, a, um, you know, inspection. And it's like, you know, you, you mm-hmm. identify the agent, you know, you, you, you instantly, you know, go introduce yourself, um, you know, hey, this is what we're looking at. We, um, you know, we're, we're an esports team, like, you know, be honest about, you know, we, this is what we do and sort of like more of like a holistic approach to it rather than like, you know, we're five guys playing games, like talk about the esports industry. There's lots of things that help you to back you up. Honestly, it's like, you know, this is professional, you know, you can look us up, you know, we're not, we're not going to hide anything from you. And like, you know, some may say like, you know, I don't really want this, but from our experience so far, I mean, we've only had three houses, but that's, that's worked for us so far. This is the house we're talking about here. Um, Mm. Just say for if for a gaming house, but um, I mean like the landlords themselves, as long as you keep in the place at a very high standard, you can go even above and beyond and uh make sure the the you do all the gardening for them and and really like if you if you get in there, like your job is to make sure that inspections they're flawless, you're you're maintaining the property to a very high standard, which is incredibly incredibly difficult, and will probably as someone who's sort of managing that process, I'll tell you you will be spending many nights scrubbing floors and uh, taking out bins and cleaning mold off things. Like it's, it wasn't yeah. pleasant the first time, but, but it's possible, you know? I mean, like there's many teams that do it, but um, that, that's probably the words mm-hmm. of advice I'll say for, for that. Yeah, I think there's some good advice in there that you've, that you've given to people who are doing even esports pitches in general, right? It's about, as far as any business deal goes, it's about framing it in the right light and giving them the right information and supportive um, data and analytics to back that up. And that's pretty much the gist of what you said, right? It's it's about not saying, hey, we're just five random guys that are going to live in your house and, you know, leave it up to them to think that you're just going to turn into a party house and wreck the place. But about, again, yeah. literally using like these, like these, exactly that term, reassuring them. It's like, you know, this is, this is a, which you know, this is a professional team. We're a company. We're a registered business. Yeah. You know, they can look us up. I mean, one of the great things we have is, you know, we say, you know, our training facilities at the Sydney Crew. We're kind of like, what? You know, they're, they're really interested all about it. So, mm. um, and, and esports, it, it really is like, like it is, it is new to a lot of these people. Like, you know, we're talking to that. We had the security guys at SCG coming the other day, and they were just fascinated by what we're doing. So, if you explain to them, you know, you can. It's actually a good conversation starter as well. You know, it's not just again mm-hmm. saying we got five guys playing games in here. It's more about the industry itself and sort of where it's headed. Not so much. Where yeah. It's now. So tell me more about the operation of the high performance center. What like what actually makes it high performance besides having some nice PCs? Yeah. So um. So obviously, the 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 big thing is the the separation of the space. Um, in terms of that, so we have, we have a collaboration with UTS. We've been working with some PhD students to really sort of identify um, what makes a pro player a pro. Um, so it's actually been published by Matt Puss. Um, so it's on Twitter. I can um, send it to you to sort of link um, in, in after this mm-hmm. podcast. But um, yeah, so that's one aspect really sort of – and the guys would – so it would be like a check-in system. So they um, rock up in the morning. They'll say – do like sort of a survey, like, you know, what, how, what was their sleep last night? You know, uh, how they like feeling, you do a check-in, um, check it in. And then at the end of the day, you'll do a checkout and then we'll sort of get those results and sort of, um, we've sort of really been developing it and, and sort of seeing like, you know, again, what, what's, what was useful information, what wasn't. So this is again, very early stages. So it's sort of like concepts like this. Um, another big one is having separate rooms. So we have a meeting room. We have a, a scrim room and then we have a solo queue room. And that's, that's again, big. So this is going even a further step. It's like you're separating work and living and now you're separating different activities of the day. 
Do you know in offices and stuff, you have like special room names for rooms and stuff. It's like, you know, media rooms, this and stuff, sort of like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, well, we're in here to pod review. And as soon as you walk into that room, one, th- one thing we've actually been toying around with as well is there's been studies on different colors. So say if a room was an entirely different color, then your brain will trigger something to like get you instantly in that subconsciously into that mindset. It's like, all right, I'm here to say practice or I'm here to do solo practice and not communicate with my team. I'm here to, to focus and take notes and do a VOD review. You know, so it's these sort of things. It's just having the space. The space is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I talk about UCS collaboration. So, and so we're also not just the in terms of operations of the EHPC. We're not the only like Dolls is the main tenant in there, but there's also Nate Esports, which is a FIFA team. Um, and the Drop Bears pop in here and there. They're not they're not full full time like us, but their Overwatch team won they've won every contenders I think in Australia so far. Um, so I guess results maybe speak for themselves. Every team that sort of used the HBC has sort of um, just been cleaning up domestically. But, um, but yeah, so that's that's. And again, we're, we're always evolve. Like we learned so much from last year, even even now, like the last couple of weeks with our with our new roster, we've been learning a lot about sort of the operation of it and really trying to get to the zero point zero one percent. What what can be improved? What can be improved? You know, that's, that's always thinking about. It. I mean, you know, training facilities have been sort of set up and refurnish and everything for traditional sports team for years. So I'm sure we'll be the same. Mm, yeah. And for anyone listening, um, we'll, we'll put the link to anything regarding, you know, Rippy and Diables and also the High Performance Center and studies into the show notes. And that's at bigesports.gg forward slash 21 because this episode is, is number 21. So that's fine. We'll send all that stuff through. So pivoting a bit from the high performance space more to the business and, and behind, can you explain to me um, how the cash flow works from your kind of perspective? You know, obviously the the studies say that sponsorship is a main proponent. So is that what you put most of your time into in regards to growing the business? Yeah, so that's obviously, you know, that's something that I would say is a bit of a challenge for our industry. Um, in traditional like sports, I mean, we are closely simulated to that because people watch competition. They have luxury of broadcast rights, which is huge, especially over in the US. Um, I mean, here have you got, you know, the AFL. That's a big, big pool of money coming in. Sponsorship's obviously another big one. Yeah. So what we're I'm really focused on and playing around with is um, sort of a membership slash subscription product. So um, it's less about talk call. It's less about like fans or like becoming a member. It's more what we're doing with it is you're a client of Dial. So we use it, like to use the word client more than say like you're a customer or something. Like I think the definition of customer is under the care and protection of of someone and I think that's just way more valued than like you know you're a customer which is just a commodity you can be replaced at any time so it's really building these these relationships with our our, our clients slash members um, and what our service to them is essentially helping them using our knowledge to sort of help them get better at League of Legends specifically mm-hmm. so at the moment we have a couple of packages we have a $5, $15 one and a $60 one a month um, and it's very much going to that sort of Netflix sort of model I mean if, if you look at a lot of business models nowadays most successful are the subscription sort of revenue model. And this is a way more um, solid um, income revenue stream. You've got monthly return recurring revenue, which I think is just great from a business perspective. So it's sort of building that out. Mm. And um, again, the whole focus of it is is how can we help people use our knowledge as a professional team, get better at League of Legends. So that's sort of a product slash service that um, I've been working on a lot. And this is, again, to sort of um, expand our you know, the, where the revenue comes. Like sponsorship is always going to be a big thing for us and it's, it's the biggest at the moment. We have sponsors like LG and HyperX. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we 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 be giving lots of value to them and that's what we continue doing. But it's, again, yeah, searching for the bigger non-endemics, that's, uh, that's one of my focuses. But it, the main one is building out this subscription base to have more of a, a solid income stream. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, diversifying your income, right? Because it can be it can be so easy. And I've seen this happen with teams before where the rep who manages their sponsorship changes over or the company who's their primary sponsor changes direction. And then all of a sudden the team has lost, you know, a, ma- a vast majority of their income. Mm. And it's hard for you to gain that back. And you don't have control over, you know, a lot of that situation. It comes down to what the other company is feeling like doing. That's over right. The next 12 you months. know, they could be going through a hard time. It's like, all right, sponsorship's the first thing to go. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's tough mm. to, to rely on that heavily. So it's, I'm, I'm always thinking about, you know, how can we in- increase that? And again, like that, even having our clients, you know, we're learning a lot about, you know, what makes a league player, 
why they play league. You know, we can value information to our sponsors as well. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it's like two birds with one stone, sort of. You know, it's like we're building. I mean, I'm, I'm proud to say I've, I have a personal relationship with you know at least 50 of our clients, slash members, slash fans. Um, that I think is really building slowly. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's like you know, hey, you know, we have some really passionate people that will just give you lots of information. I think it's really valuable rather than social media is, is very much like you don't really control it. Obviously, like Facebook, like you can get you know, the data from your analytics and stuff and the demographics, but it's much better for you to be able to fully own that. And that's what we want. We're moving more away from the platform of like social media. It's like, all right, let's own our 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 platform. Like our sites all run, um, you know, just via, via WordPress and all the data comes straight to, it's no, no like sort of use third-party tools, but it's not reliant on like, you know, once Facebook changes the algorithm tomorrow. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, most, most new esports teams, they want to ask, you know, how to get a sponsor or how to reach out to people. And I think that question's done to death. What I want to ask you is how do you keep a sponsor happy and how do you keep them the relationship maintained and ongoing? Well, I think, I mean, even just getting, and this is just, again, client, I mean, this is the exact same premise we use for for our, um, our clients, such members. It's, it's identifying what their challenges are mm-hmm. and and solving that for them. Exactly. You know, yeah. so let's say, I, 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 guess, I guess the big one, the why sponsors, I mean, you have to really get it back to, it's like, you know, spot, like people get, I think the trap that people get stuck in, it's like, I'm a team, so I have to have sponsors. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, no, you're going to be thinking, which is true to an extent, but you need to take it back a notch. Like, all right, what problem am I solving? Like, let's say most of it, it at the moment, it's like, all right, demographic between 18 and 24 is pretty damn hard to reach, you know, anywhere else. Esports is, is booming there. You know, they're high, you know, they spend a lot of money. That's, that's their problem you're solving. I want to get my product in front of their eyes. In particular, um lg this is this is the case study for, for lg for us they approached us um about they 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 and they're viewed as a white goods brand so you know their parents you know use lg to buy washing machines and fridges and, and all that they're not viewed as an as an it mm-hmm. um they're making gaming monitors that's what they were doing you know they just sort of went into the space and they're like you know hey how can we do this esports that makes sense and that's again that's the problem that we're solving for them so um, it's very much again identifying. It, it, it's it's very simple and 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 going like this is what your deck should be revolved around. It's like less talking about yourself, and it's like really study like what are their challenges and and and, we, and pro like we have you know meetings with with um, LG and HyperX and sort of see you know, what are their challenges, how can we help you, mm-hmm. um, and and sort of building that relationship through that. Yeah, it's perfect, and I I agree hundred percent. And it goes back to. Um, how to win friends and influence people, the book as well. Yeah. And it's something I reference so often in our mentor course that we're currently doing and, and with the one-on-one mentees is about stop talking about yourself so much and what your goals are. You can make that apparent, but understand the client first and before you even send them a pitch, like never like never send a cold pitch to someone because you really you realistically have no idea. Maybe they want to do a $50,000 once-off with you campaign that's just over one month, which is a fantastic revenue stream, especially for an Australian esports team or company. But you're pitching them on a 10k a quarter yearly sponsorship, which is realistically the same amount of money or less, but it's not what they're looking for at all. And maybe they're looking to push to the streamer market because you've got some streamers, but you're trying to push them on a high performance aspect, which they're also not interested in. And you just don't know these things if you send them a cold pitch. So if you can understand about them, and I think one thing that a lot of people don't do is, like what you said, is just ask what the company wants to fulfill because for all you know like you were saying lg could be coming to you and say hey we really want to push white goods because we know that a lot of your fans are 18 to 24 years old they're moving out of home and don't know what fridge to buy which is realistic but if you take the time to listen to them you know you can learn so much more there's a great quote that i hear on the jocko podcast a lot and i'm not exactly sure who it comes from but he talks about the power of listening to other people because if you listen and don't speak you know what you know and you also know what they know so you know double the amount of information or two times as much as they know. So you can use that to your advantage. It is. It's powerful. There is, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. And, I, and I've seen the, the results. I mean, we listen to, instead of really saying like for our clients, our, our coaching um, through our membership program, subscription program, we, we obviously know a lot, but you can, you can it's like, oh, what's that quote? It's like lead a horse to the water, but you can't make them drink or, or something it's mm. you know it's understanding exactly what their problem is and i could tell them everything i know but you know there's a, there's a million information out there about say become a millionaire tomorrow but you know you're not going to be able to do it because it's like how does that apply to my life right now you know so um 
it's it's very much like understanding, listening again. What to, to your point is is really big. I'm actually trying to find. There's another really good quote as well uh, from from someone. Um, oh, here we go. To be to be the most interesting person, be the most interested, and to be the most respected, be the most respectful. Mm. And I I really like that one as well. Yeah, and that's also a good quote. Yeah, fantastic. So I think we've you know, we've definitely covered some some good stuff in you know here so far it's it's obvious that you know you've been involved in many different levels of the industry from grassroots being a young player yourself and transitioning into the business market and then into investment um, and for anybody who wants to listen to more about esports team investment we did cover that a lot in the previous podcast with um, Nick or Sav from Tainted Minds if you want to go back and listen to that but what I want to ask you Nathan to touch on is where do you see esports going in the future for teams you've obviously led the charge a lot in Australia with the high performance aspect Diawolves has reaped the benefits of that off across you know numerous wins in different seasons so where do you see esports going from here now yeah it's a, it's a really good question and um it's always, I mean, it's sort of like any industry. It's like, oh, where do you see VR in like, you know, the future or 10 years? Mm. I think the the answer is always like, I mean, I got no idea. I don't even know what six, the next six months look like. It's just moving so fast. But in particular, of like things that sort of we can control and what we're looking to do in the future is um, really leveling up and sort of what we've done with, um, so we, for, for the viewers that don't know, so we just won everything for the last two years in OPR with a very like sort of veteran sort of lineup. We've had some people sort of come up that were middle of the pack that we made champion flagship players. Mm-hmm. Um, but now this year we've gone full the opposite. We have full rookie team players that no team really sort of even would have looked at in the OPL. And um, it's really about developing this this really. It's not just developing our players. It's like all right, what happens? It's the idea of what happens if the like so let's say currently what the OPL looks like right now or, or the the highest level of Professional League Legends. What happens if we could insert all that knowledge into, say, the academy, the, the level below, right? And then the players are getting dragged from there into OPL, and then OPL is getting pushed up further. And instead of like sort of the same players sort of, you know, going around to different teams, it's really like, all right, and this is again coming, it ties into again our, our subscription membership product is how can we teach people the game um, to understand the game at a much higher level that that we know and that will, will i mean we, we definitely don't say we know everything right now and that will push people to right what's the next next step next step so i um, mean this really comes down to oceania performing on the international stage which is just not existent really at the moment especially for league of legends i mean we've sort of been i'll, I'll put my hand up there that's, that's that's our fault for the last two years but um but yeah so it's it's really this this concept of um the, the level below in the grass. I think that AFL does such a good job. I love the AFL with Auskick. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you played Auskick back in the day, Chris, but it's like getting people in at a very young age and you know learning things like you know the teamwork, understanding the game. Because right now it's like you download the game. I mean, you can go to a bunch of YouTube tutorials, sure, but mm-hmm. again, it's not like that level of relationship, say that they'll have with us. Or you know, it's like we're listening again. Go back to listen, listening to you. What what are your problems? How can we understand exactly what a new player to league? need to get really good versus a bronze player what do they need to get to the next level what, are they, what is the silver player versus which out with we're the best in the game like just do what we do because it's just so far apart so yeah um that's yeah. sort of the the next next six months to like two years for us is really leveling up the performance of the entire region which again i mean it, it performance at, at the end of the day our sort of our model is wins don't i mean wins don't sell um, you know, you want to rely completely on winning because that model's a little bit flawed in terms of like sponsorship and, and money and stuff. But again, this can really level up the performance of the entire region. And, you know, if we're winning worlds, that's going to really help um, sponsor talks. Yeah. And I think there's two, there's two points that I take away from what you said. Number one is that you need to give fans a reason to watch, which is why you're talking about you need the other teams to be as competitive as you are on that stage and you need everyone to be better because we're, you know, we're in Australia here, we're English speaking. So why would we watch a team in Australia versus watching the big pros in America? And the same as when I was playing CSGO, you know, I wasn't studying Australian teams to get better. I was studying them maybe to counter-strat them if we were going to play against them. But realistically, even though they were better than me, why wouldn't I just watch someone who's the best in the world at that time, which was NIP, when they won everything? You know, there's no reason why I wouldn't watch the Swedish pros, you know, kind of wreck house and learn from them instead. And then, and then, yeah, like, 
like you were saying as well, it's it's a lot about the development of the scene and development of grassroots and bringing people in. Like I played a lot of cricket when I was in primary school. And even in primary school, I understood that I play in primary school or play in high school. Then I can play in a local Colts league, then try to get to state and then national slash international. But right, it was a clear pathway, right? And that's what motivated you. Otherwise, you know, imagine mm. if you were just playing, you know, with your friends. Like that's what the moment is now. It's like you just jump on and and play mm. the, you know there's not really a, a goal you're going to and even though you didn't become a you know you may not have aspirations to become a professional cricket player it's like you're there engaging in the sport you know mm. yeah exactly yeah and it also goes back to um some of the great points that i've seen people say before about women in sport and esports and it, the same thing applies here is you can't be what you can't see so if you're not a you know a 10 year old kid that's downloading and getting really into fortnite and you're really enjoying it, and you think maybe there's more, if you don't know that the professional scene exists, you, that's not likely to be something that you'll strive towards. You're not going to have posters on the wall of Ninja, you know, who's a streamer, and, you know, Myth and, and Tafui and these kind of stars within the game because you don't know that they exist. So if you're able to be pushed that kind of esports angle, you know, there's only a percentage of people that will ever become an esports pro or even make a dollar off it. But how many fans of AFL are there who don't even kick a footy even for fun, but they will go and they'll watch, you know, sports happen every single weekend or they'll watch the races or they'll watch the Super Bowl when they're not even in America or care about that football stuff. It's all part of the hype and what they enjoy. Yeah, actually, that's an actually a really another good point on why I think esports has a huge advantage over traditional sports um, is that anyone can jump on and play. Mm. Like, I mean, one of our members, she, she she's a mum of, of, of her son plays league and she plays league herself. And I've done some coaching and stuff with her and, and she's loving the game and playing the game, you know, doing all right. And, you know, it's, it's like anyone can play. It's, it's, mm. that's the huge, the, the participation is so high versus it, like, we have the opposite problem in esports where viewership, participation to viewership, participation is way more versus traditional sports viewership is way more than people participate. Like you don't see 30 year olds out in the, you know, field, sorry, 50, 60 year olds on the field, you know, kicking a footy. Um, yeah, I think that's a huge, the participation is so, such a huge opportunity for, for, for esports in general is that anyone can jump on and you're only limited by like the programming of the game slash, you know, what you could physically do with a mouse and keyboard, which to be honest is not that much, you know, obviously there's a lot more strategy that goes into it, but you can play, you know, you don't, you don't, you can't physically not play. Mm, yeah, I agree 100%. And it's so much easier for you to replicate what your, um, you know, what your heroes are doing. And it's so much easier for you to relate and, and get into it. I agree. You know, and there's not much, there's nowhere near as much barrier for disability or anything like that to become involved in esports. So it's such, it's such an inclusive sport or range of sport to be involved in. And and also, I mean, yeah, age you can talk about, and that's the great thing that. Um that I can't wait to see in, in esports. I mean, mm-hmm. recently the Super Bowl yesterday, I don't know if you follow the NFL, Chris, but Tom Brady, he's 41, he's won his sixth Super Bowl. Mm. Now he's playing the highest like TR professional sport um, in terms of physically at 41. You know, it's like, can we be seeing 50 like year old players, you know, like professional players leading a team? You know, it's like, I'm really interested to see if like that sort of really come, come to fruition. Cause then that, I mean, the length of the career in, in you know, that's like you're, say 30 years you're, you're an esports player full time that's that that just changes culture and the way people think about like sporting careers like a lot and i think that'll be really interesting mm, yeah i agree so what's your what's your general advice for someone who might be looking to create their own esports team right now or want to join as an employee of diables what's the pathway yeah so i mean just getting to i mean in terms of starting up your team honestly my advice is just don't do it like, I mean, if, if that, like, so you could use that as motivation to do it, but um, it's, it especially nowadays, like I said, you know, like I could start up a team and I did start up dials in 2014 with just a couple of thousand dollars. And to, to even just make a little scratch on the scene, right? you need pretty mass amount of capital. Um, like you really would just be playing around really grassroots level. And that's very strong. So turn that into a business. That's very, I don't think anyone in, in Australia has done that, let alone internationally yet. So. Um, that's why I'd say it's, I'll recommend doing it. Um, you would probably just burn a lot of money in terms of getting into, um, esports. It's very much just like, put your hand up and just, just do stuff. You know, it's like, I mean, we get people, you know, send us all the time. It's like, you know, I want to be a graphic designer or, um, graphic designer. I want to do some marketing or stuff. And, and sometimes it's a, it's very much like, Sometimes you could sort of see when someone's joining for the wrong reasons. Like, oh, I just want to be part of dials versus like, you know, I just want to have a crack at this. Like, just be honest. Like, I don't have any experience. I just want some, I just want to do some stuff. Like, like, like I, 
you know, always obviously try and get some money out of it. But mm-hmm. um, to really, to, if you want to make it to, to I mean, I, I didn't get paid for the first couple of years. Like, you know, I just did it completely for free. Just, I just loved it. And I just, I just did things. I just put my hand up, just learned skills. Um, and, and the big thing is just getting in there. Like, just get in, like, be talking to someone like Chris or, or myself. Um, I mean, that's, that's obviously like, I mean, I, you know, I, I imagine that your time's really valuable and I, I value my time highly. So it's, you know, I wouldn't do that for anyone. But if someone's really, I see, putting a lot of effort and really care about, say, the Dalvin brand, mm. and that's someone I really consider, you know? Yeah, no, I agree 100%. It, it goes back to, I mean, you said exactly the same thing that I usually say in different words, which is pick one thing and stick with it. You know, find an entry into the industry, find something that's a passion for you, and then you can gain you can gain more responsibility and more skills and experience within the company you work for. And then, hey, maybe you'll open your own in the future, or maybe you'll start managing or, you know, at least go up the chain of commanding. Yeah, the yeah. biggest thing is you got no idea where you'll go. Mm. Like, there's many people I've seen take paths in esports that um, – uh, they wouldn't be able to tell you that they like they'll let's say they'll doing stuff in in esports slash gaming like three years ago and like even myself now I could never imagine mm. I'm in the SEG out the view of the Sydney Victory Ground that's just ridiculous you know so you, like the, the big thing is you don't know where it will take you and say if you got a job on the side you know you're full time working just make it your sort of side hustle you know like just do some things at night um, just start talking to people there's great communities like Big is a great community on Facebook and stuff sort of networking there um so yeah just be talking to people try and you know reach out to organizations see if they need any help and again sort of like understanding it's like what are their problems like like if, if you could like right now let's say if someone came to you and said you know rippy i can i can solve all your problems on say social media or or um you know sponsorship this is the this is what i reckon i could do like that person mm-hmm. you know so i'll sign me out okay you think you know how to do it you know versus like hey i'm You're in you know I, I'm, I'm sort of just trying to you know, get experience. Like I'd rather, I, I'll take way more is again, it's like, all right, this is what I've seen. This is my solution. Like, give me an opportunity to execute on this, you know? And, and I'll, even if that person was to fail, they'll learn. And that's great. They actually had a plan and they actually, you know, executed and failed it. You know, they'll learn from it. Yeah, perfect. So for pretty much anything we've talked about today, for those people listening, we'll put all the links in bigesports.gg forward slash 21 is in the number 21. But for people who want to follow you, um, maybe ask you questions or learn more about what you do and your company, Nathan, where can they do so? Um, Yeah, best to hit me up on Twitter. Twitter is sort of the game for esports sports at the moment uh at dw rippy with two p's and two i's um i think i i probably should open up my dms you've actually reminded me i should probably open up my dms i don't think they're open um chris so i'll open those up as of as of now and if anyone has any questions i'll try and get get to you and um yeah i'm, I'm happy to to help anyone sort of looking to get into the industry or any questions about running a team um, um yeah happy to help Fantastic. All right. Thanks for joining us today, mate. And I'm sure you'll see you at the next event. Great. Thanks, Chris. It was a pleasure. Thanks for tuning into our podcast today. For show notes, relevant links, and upcoming projects, you can check us out online at bigesports.gg or follow us on our social medias at bigesports underscore gg. Today's podcast and all of season one and season two has been brought to you by our sponsor, PLE Computers.